Locked off. Everybody, welcome to the Pixel Advocate Lists Volume 2. On this edition of Lists, we're going to talk about some shooters, specifically scrolling type shooters and fixed screen shooters. Those will be considered separately in separate lists. So let's get right at it. Uh, we'll start with my Top five scrolling shoot 'em ups. So, what are the criteria here? Pretty simple, really. You must be. I don't need to describe, you know, specifically what a shooter is. If you don't know what a shooter is and, and you're listening to this, then I don't know what to tell you. But it needs to be a game where. The screen is scrolling in one direction. That can be vertically or horizontally. Which, by the way, is an important distinction because it eliminates games like, for example, Bosconian, where you can fly in multiple directions. And um, so it scrolls in one direction, vertically or horizontally, and uh, while the player is allowed to uh, move around the screen and shoot stuff. It's really kind of the most general uh, description of a arcade-style shooter, scrolling shooter that I can think of, so that, that's what we're going with. And that's really the only real criteria on here. Um, I mean, obviously, the games, the obvious, there's the obvious stuff as well, like the games have to be ones I like. Um, normally, I make the distinction of, is it a game I liked when I was younger, or is it a game I like now, or both? Which, I should mention for this style of game, is not really a necessary distinction to make, because I really never played shooters as a kid. You know, going to arcades in the um, late 80s, early 90s, uh, even, you know, on home consoles. Well, actually, it's not true. I, it, it's not true to say I never played them. It would be more accurate to say there are only a few that I really gave much time to. Um, and by and large, the genre was just not something that I, you know, I, I gravitated toward. So I've discovered a lot of games that I do enjoy as an adult, um, and some of those are going to be on the list. So, we can talk about that. Uh, I should also mention that this genre has a lot of very similar games um, that are really good. So, it's really hard to choose five. Because, if you know, you know that can be, almost sounds like a criticism of the genre, like it's too samey-samey. But the reality is, there are a lot of games that are very alike, that have a lot in common. 
especially when you get games from the same developer and they you can tell they kind of use the same base code or the same engine and they just change the graphics a little bit or add some slightly different play mechanics and things like that but there's usually something like a good shooter usually has a, a few things about it that are special that are that kind of separate it from from the crowd so that's one thing i've noticed um i'm only i'm only choosing 5 here I'm, i mean i could probably do um you know a much longer list because i do like a lot of these games but the problem is once i get beyond 5 then i feel like there's so many games that are clustered really close together that it's i mean i would probably have 15 games tied for 6th you know what i mean so uh just keep it at the ones that i think i um really gravitate toward and um that i spend the most time with or i always go back to i i kind of fully expect my favorites you know to change with time as i spend more time with other games um after all as i mentioned I'm kind of, I'm, relatively speaking i'm kind of new to this genre so um i, I guess that's one of the important criteria i should mention then it's, it's games that i just feel compelled to return to time and time again you know having played so many of these there's certain ones that specifically i feel like returning to so let's get started top five and I, i'm not gonna these aren't really in any order i i usually say this maybe some of the lists will be in order but i just don't feel like there's much of a point because they're so close that it almost feels arbitrary to try to rank them. So just take them as a group of games that are, you know, my top five. First one I'm going to mention is Xevious by Namco, 1983. This one, I'm deciding to talk about this one first because it's one of the few shooter games that I actually played in the 80s. I never played it in the arcade. I never saw it in the arcade, or at least not back then. I've seen it in uh, retro arcades in, in modern times. And um, my introduction to the game was, you might remember if you listened to the episode, uh, We Were Atari Kids, was on when I got it for uh, Atari 7800 um, Christmas in 1987. And absolutely loved that game at the time on that system i'm not even sure if i even realized it was an arcade game i probably didn't even care but um you know by 1987 it would have been old news in the arcade so i it's probably why i never saw it and you know it's a in a lot of ways kind of a like a prototypical scrolling shooter um, it, it you know it does a lot of things first, and it's a it's a very well executed game. It's it's a nuanced game, lots of little secrets hidden around like the the flags and the uh, the little uh, underground bases that you have to bomb them to make them appear, and then bomb them again to destroy them to get some bonus points. The game has a a kind of Get, it varies its difficulty depending on how well you're doing. So it has some smarts in there. Um, so that some like if you're doing really well, then the um, 
then maybe the enemies get a little more aggressive momentarily, things like that. So, you know, a lot of innovative things uh, for the time. Um, and also having that great big mothership that comes on the screen is almost like one of the first video game bosses. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a standard thing now, especially in shooters. But um, in 1982, it was, it was kind of novel. So I really think Xevious deserves to be on this list for me. I, I play it. I wouldn't say I play it all the time, but it's a game. It's definitely on my sh- uh, short list on the main cabinet um, as a game that I... If I'm looking for something that is f- something familiar, I just want to spend, you know, you know, half an hour, kill, kill a little bit of time. Then I'll pull up Devious. I'm pretty decent at it. Um, I'm not going to be uh, setting any world records anytime soon, but I- I've played it enough, and I think I'm 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 pretty I'm okay at Devious. Can certainly get well up over a hundred thousand, um, probably closer to two hundred thousand. My exact high score is is escaping me, but I my main cabinet uh, saves high scores, so um, I have all that documented. So, next on the list. Actually, I'm going to... <laughs> I said this is a top five. And it, it really should be just a top five. But I'm making an on-the-spot decision here to make it a top six because there's a game that's basically tied with Xevious. And that is... Dragon Spirit, also by Namco, 1987. And the reason I'm bringing uh, arbitrarily expanding this to six and including this game is because this game is very, very similar to Xevious. It's by the same company. Has very similar play mechanics. You know, you have a you shoot, um, you have an aerial shot, and then a, a bomb, so to speak. You shoot ground enemies. And it's a completely different theme, visual theme, and there there's um, uh, some nice uh, enhancements to the basic gameplay in Dragon Spirit. Like you can power up, you can get, you can uh, collect these power ups to you know become a multi headed dragon, and um, you know your your firepower increases and things like that. But great game, great. Um, it's it's difficult. It's a difficult game. It can be frustrating, but um, for some reason, I just kind of clicked with this game, and I really, I really dig the soundtrack on it. I mean, it really—I don't know if I'd like the game as much without the soundtrack. It, it definitely—it's one of those games where it re- the soundtrack or the music is really contributing to the enjoyment factor. Now, in comparison, Zevius has that kind of—in a way, it's kind of like a—you know—at least in retro gaming circles, kind of a uh, iconic. Uh, soundtrack with that just that looping noise it's not even music <laughs> but it totally works but it's that's not i wouldn't say it enhances the game like the music does in, in dragon spirit so definitely check out dragon spirit it's not i, I wouldn't call it a well-known game I, I know it was out on nes and it's probably been on some you know namco compilations on playstation or whatever i, I don't know i don't really pay attention to those but i do know it's been on on some of those um uh compilation uh, discs uh 
So there you have it. So let's let's group together Zevus and Dragon Spirit and move on. Next one I'm going to talk about is, uh, I guess I might as well go with 1943, which um, released by Capcom in 1987. And the reason I'm choosing this one next is because this is also a rare example of a scrolling shooter that I played back when it was current uh, in the 80s. Um, played this game a lot with my brother down at the uh, local bowling alley. We'd ride our bikes down there, and uh, when when we first saw it, I was I thought the you know, the colorful graphics and nice bright orange explosions and the cool sound effects and the weapon power-ups. This was a, this was a, um, what do I want to call it? It was a, in my mind, based on the games that I had seen personally, 1943 kind of represented like a nice leap. Like it was... Um, anything I'd seen before that was notably more primitive or basic. And then 1943 was like this, it was like a, a turning point, like a step forward that I noticed this stuff's getting better. This is, this is really cool. Um, I really like that little, you know, the music in that game as well. Not as much as Dragon Spirit, but it, it's, it's effective. The, um, the, uh, the fact that, you have kind of like an energy bar rather than dying um, with a single hit. It, you know, it's kind of a kind of an interesting. Uh, I I don't normally care for that um, in in shooter games, but for some reason in 1943 it works. Um, I don't mind it in 1943 at all. And you can get the various weapons. I really like the one that shoots in three directions. Um, there are some weapons on there that I really dislike like that that shotgun that just sprays out uh, bullets into a short um, distance in front of you and it does so slowly with poor range so it's kind of a bummer when you accidentally grab that weapon but yeah just um you know kind of a, a very fictionalized world war ii style um you know u.s versus japan type thing is the theme, which is kind of ridiculous because it's, it's so, <laughs> it borrows, um, it borrows visual themes from, um, real, you know, World War II aircraft, but it's completely made up stuff. It's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense, but it's, uh, you know, our, the best arcade games don't make sense. Let's face it. Moving on. What do we got next? We got, um, Dodon Patchy by Cave, 1997. I'd never heard of this game until, I want to say, maybe 2012. Uh, I think I was participating in a friendly online uh, meme competition, and this game was in there, so I uh, had to play it to put up a score, and I thought it was just outstanding. To this, and I still do, obviously. Uh, just... Now this is this is what um, well first of all it's Dodon Patchy is uh, of the style of vertically scrolling shooter games that they call um, Bullet Hell. Um, I'm sure you're probably familiar with that, but basically what that means is exactly what it sounds like. The kind of um, the shtick is you've got 
all these kinds of situations in the game where enemy fire is coming at you in these elaborate patterns and and the the fi- enemy fire will quite literally fill the entire screen leaving very small passages that you have to do fine precise movements to dodge you know find your way through and survive and um another thing that usually characterizes games like this is your your ship has um typically has a very small um what they call a hitbox so a hitbox is it's this the it's the how do you describe this it's the the size of the the portion of your ship that is sensitive to 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 uh destruction so if you have a large hitbox and that would basically mean that if the graphic of an enemy bullet touches the graphic of your ship that counts as a hit and you either lose energy or you die but in the case where they use a small hitbox if you watch closely you can see that there'll be cases where the enemy fire will be coming toward you you'll see the the bullet or the 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 projectile or whatever you want to call it basically pass right through your ship uh, it might hit on the right or left side or skim across the top and you survive it doesn't do any damage and you don't die and the only way that you do die is if the bullet passes through the so-called hitbox on your ship so that that's usually you know roughly speaking in, in the center so um you, you got it basically you, you you can't you don't take any damage or you don't get destroyed unless you have a very precise dead-on hit which is kind of necessary for sanity. If you're going to have these the screen completely filled with bullets, then that's the only way that would make the game playable, is to have a small hitbox, right? So, anyway, Dodon Patchy. Um, Cave makes uh, a lot of great games, and they all have a similar visual style and, and um, uh, similar sounds and everything. And, and you can you can just tell a cave game from a mile away once you start to uh, play through some of them. And uh, it, it's just, it's just, they're just, it's just a gorgeous game. It's beautiful. Uh, I, I understand it's not for everybody because it is c- crushingly difficult. But just like in most shooter games, you can, once you play it a few times, you can, you get a feel for what to expect. So you know kind of what's coming and you can, you know, maybe plan ahead a little bit. And that helps a little bit to uh, get you further through the game. But this particular game, you have, two basic weapons you have like a, a rapid fire weapon or sorry you have three weapons you have like a rapid fire wep- weapon which you obviously use in the tradi- traditional way by just kind of mashing on the uh, fire button but you can also um hold down the fire button and after a second or so um you'll start emitting this big wide laser that just you know toasts everything in front of you it's kind of a cool visual effect. Uh, and while you're firing that laser, your your, your movement slows down. Um, but it's uh, it's cool. So you're, you're alternating between, you know, tap, 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 you know, firing the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the conventional weapon. And then you, you might want a little more power focused straight ahead. So then you, you hold the fire button down and use the laser. Then, of course, you have the typical uh, bomb like that you use in panic situations. But uh, this game, like the, the graphics, it's got like a, the graphics are really colorful, really nice. 
I absolutely love the sound effects, like the explosions and the, you know, when you, when you blow up a boss, it just, it's got this really cool visual effect where it just, there's just flames and smoke and it's got this really loud thunderous explosion sound. It sounds like thunder almost. It's really cool. It's my absolute favorite, uh, past or present favorite, um, explosion effect I've ever seen in a video game. It's just, it's really well done. And, um, the, the soundtrack is kind of like a, um, it's almost like a metal, like a rock and roll, like metal style with like guitar solos and stuff like that. Really, really works well. And, um, just a outstanding shooter game. If you're into that type of thing. And next up is, is another game that I, uh, you know, never heard of until right around the same time, around, you know, 2011, maybe 2012, 2013 in there. And that's, uh, Strikers 1945 by, I hope I'm saying this correctly, Sikyo, P-S-I-K-Y-O, um, 1995. And this one is, is, uh, again, it's got kind of like a, um, a pseudo World War Two kind of theme to it, like in terms of what the aircraft look like. You could, you can pick, um, you know, I think there's what five, five or six different planes that you can pick from. I should know this because I like the game so much. But I, the reason I don't is because I always use the same one, so I, I completely don't even pay attention to the others. I've tried them all, and I like the default one, the one that's just like you know, the one that's de- selected by default. When like if you don't if you don't move this joystick to select something else, just the first one that's there, I just pick that one. That's my favorite one. And um, similarly with this, uh, or similarly with um, as with Dodon Patchy, here you have your your standard weapon, where you, you're you know you're tapping the fire button and you fire. But also you have once you you power up a little bit and you collect these little kind of sidecar things that you know. Um, so you have little planes to the to the on the sides that make your uh, you know, your your weapon wider and more more destructive. If you hold the fire button down for a second or so, then those um, side planes kind of go out into a formation and they go do something cool. Like it's it's different for each each of the different uh each of the different selectable planes does something different. But um the the one I like you um you hold the button down and, and all the all the side planes kind of f- form together in a line and just start, you know, plastering everything in front of them uh, with bullets. So you can kind of leave them somewhere and then move around and do something else. So you kind of plant these planes at, on something that needs a lot of fire and uh, just let it do its thing and you can go fly around the screen and go take care of other stuff. Um, and that the ability to do that kind of has to recharge and you, you can't do it, you know, um, 100% constantly, but it's a uh, it's a very useful technique. Very cool how you can work that in. And uh, another interesting thing about this game is the, which kind of spices things up a little bit, is the the screens don't play in the same order all the time. It, it's almost like random. You'll notice that you'll play the game one time and you see a certain screen, and then you you play it again, and the first screen is different, and then you play it again, it's different again. So there's, but then um. It's the same collection of screens that has come at you in a different order. And depending on... So so that helps with kind of, you know, make it a little more 
keep you on your toes. But it's also interesting how, depending on when you get a certain screen, so like, say a, a certain screen, like you, you get it as the first screen, it's going to have a certain level of difficulty, and things are going to happen a certain way. But if that same screen, the next time you play, shows up as the second or third screen, then it actually, it's the same basic look to it and everything, the same types of enemies, but it's more difficult. <laughs> like they, they throw extra things in there to, um, you know, maybe the enemies fire more quickly or there's, there's more enemies in certain spots and, and things like that. So it's kind of interesting how they do that. And well, in, the, in the boss battles at the end of the, um, of the, end of the level will will get more difficult depending on where you play the screen uh, in the progression. So, really cool game, great graphics. Um, just, it's, I find it, I mean, maybe you disagree, but I find it to be pretty approachable. It's not a bullet hell game like Dota Apache. It's more of a traditional style shooter. It's still very challenging, very challenging, but um, it's very playable, and it has some neat features. It has some, you know, different screen progression the different planes that you're allowed to pick you know there's a lot there's a lot of game there and it's uh, really really well done and the last one on the list is going to be Psy Battler by Jalico or Jalico how do you say that Jalico I know it's um, it's uh, short for Japan Leisure Company that's why I've always said Jalico whatever I'm sure you know the company I'm talking about. 1993. Again, the, the game's called Psy Battler. This seems to be a really, um, no, lesser known, <laughs> lesser known title. I, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who, who knew what this game was uh, after I discovered it and, and enjoyed it so much. Uh, again, I think this is one I probably stumbled upon around the same time as uh, Strikers 1945 and Dodon Patchy. And also, I probably found it while playing in some kind of competition. But first of all, the graphics and sound are really good for 1993. Uh, I, I think this game can stand beside games that came several years later and, and just fine. Um, you're you take control of not a spaceship, but kind of like a, a robot. It's vertically scrolling, and you're like this great big mecha thing you know a big robot a ship-sized robot basically in your you have the interesting thing about this game that makes it kind of different is you have uh, a melee attack so you have like a, like a laser sword so if stuff comes up really close to you you can swing at it with the sword and slice it in half and um, you get a few uh, extra points for doing that or you have a, a more conventional just kind of um laser weapon or, or uh, you know you can fire uh, bullets out in front of you but not only in front of you here's where it gets interesting with side battler is you as you move around the screen with your eight-way joystick your player kind of will face the direction that it's moving and if you hold the fire button down then your player kind of locks in that orientation and you can move around the screen so you know how in robotron you have two joysticks you can run one way and, and shoot in another. Here you don't have two joysticks, but it, uh, it's in a way kind of similar because you, um, whatever way you're facing, as soon as you hold the fire button down, um, you start you know blasting away like crazy. But your uh, 
your your robot maintains that orientation so you can move around the screen uh, and, and shoot backwards, for example, or left or right and up and down. And, you know, so you can kind of strafe side to side or uh, uh, attack enemies that are on your left or right rather than just in front of you, which is more typical. Um, and uh, it's just really bombastic and really, really high energy uh, when you get the weapons powered up and you're just zipping around the screen, shooting in all directions, and you got ships coming up beside you, and you got to blow out all the guns on the side of it, and um, it's got some uh, interesting boss battles. Just a, you know, a really, really classic game. Um, well, it's not actually, I wouldn't call it a classic because no one's heard of it, but I think it should be a classic. Very underrated. Um, and I, I play it all the time. Uh, I'm not extremely good at it, but uh, I'm getting better, and um I always think to recommend this to uh, people who like shooters. So that's my list. Um, recap. We have um, kind of uh, a tie between Xevious and Dragon Spirit. Then we've got 1943 by Capcom. Then we've got Donon Patchy by Cave, Strikers 1945 by Sikio, and Cy by Janico. next list is going to be top five favorite fixed screen shooters. Now we all know what these are, right? The uh, slide and shoot. Um, the offshoots of space invaders, so to speak. What are the criteria? Well, there's not really much to say here. Uh, other than that, the game just needs to be a non-scrolling, fixed-screen shooting game in the vein of Space Invaders. Um, you have the ability to move in one direction only, usually side-to-side -side across the bottom. You don't have the ability to move up and down. Um, you know, which is interesting. So would Gorf be eligible for this? doesn't really matter because I don't like Gorf, but, and it wouldn't make the list anyway for me, but because in Gorf, you're able to move, you don't have completely free movement, but you can move up and down anyway. Side to side movement, fixed screen. And, um, this is also... 
a genre that I just traditionally going back, you know, to the eighties, thinking back to what I played. And it's just not something that I played. I spent a whole lot of time playing this style of game, but I've like most of these classic styles of games, uh, rediscovering these games as an adult and looking back, I've kind of developed an appreciation. It's still not a genre that I would say is, you know, that I'm particularly excited about. Well, let's put it this way. If I'm, someone tells me about a new game, um, say I'm talking to someone about old arcade games and we're exchanging recommendations about obscure games that maybe deep cuts that uh, maybe haven't heard of but are definitely worth playing. And this person starts out by saying, okay, so there's this game I really want you to try out. It's kind of like Space Invaders. I mean, as soon as they say that, it's not gonna. It's not gonna get me excited. <laughs> the game kind of has to prove itself somehow, and I have to, you know, uh, it's just not something I, um, by default, in in that attracted to. But anyway, let's get started. Are you ready? First one on the list is Mega Mania on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred Activision. 1982. Now this one's um, kind of a goofy in premise. Like you're, uh, you know, just like most of these styles of games, you're you're a ship at the bottom of the screen. You move side to side, and you have these racks of enemies that are kind of trying to kill you. Um, they might fly in different patterns or descend at different rates, and you're just shooting, dodging, shooting, dodging. Now Mega Mania adds a subtlety to the gameplay by having an energy bar. So basically what that amounts to is a timer. Um, it's They call it, there's this bar at the bottom where it says energy, and this, this bar is ticking down, really. I mean, there's... It, <laughs> it is absolutely just a timer, effectively, is what it is. Um, so, you know, that, that, that runs out before you clear a screen and you lose life. Now, this game is very... Uh, borrows liberally, let's say, from the arcade game Astro Blaster. Uh, not not only with the energy bar, which was lifted from Astro Blaster, um, and the kind of uh, some of the the way some of the ways in which the racks of enemies kind of dance around the screen is very reminiscent of Astro Blaster, and even the silhouette of your ship is very, very obviously inspired by Astro Blaster. I mean, obviously, it's, like, more basic, like, single color because it's a Atari 2600. It's just, like, blue, and it's it's a solid blue color. But the basic silhouette of it is is very similar uh, to Astro Blaster, which was, was it a Sega game? I think so, yeah. Yeah, Which is, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool game. It didn't make this list, spoiler alert. But I, I mean, it's that's decent. I play that once in a while. But anyway, Mega Mania. You've got um, the one thing I think that that is is cool about this game, uh, especially in you know relative to 
the Atari 2600 capabilities in the library is how many different levels there are. It's um, so you, you start and you um, your enemies are really goofy things like hamburgers and and tires like radial tires and um, and cook or uh, space dice and uh, bow ties and and things like this. Uh, but I mean that sounds really stupid, and maybe it is, but it turns out it doesn't really matter because um, you, know, you could just as well imagine that these things are something completely different <laughs> in uh, the game. You know, using your your retro imagination uh, that was required to, to enjoy these games when they were current. Uh, you know, employ a little bit of that skill now, and, and you're you don't really care that you're shooting bow ties into the sky because the game's fun. And, um, you, like I said, I think the, the sheer number of different stages there are, I think is really, um, I mean, compared to many, many games in the Atari 2600, that's one of the things that, about this game, I think that kind of stands out. So you've got, you play against a certain type of enemy, you clear that screen in the next screen, the enemies look and behave completely differently. So they have different kind of patterns and the way, you know, little uh, uh, quirks to how they move around. You clear that one and then it's something different and then something different and then something different. So there's several, several different types of enemies, which then of course you, you play through them all and then, and then you circle back and you go through them again, but only this time it's harder. And then you just play through them all and you circle back again, it's harder still. That that that's similar, you know, that standard type of progression that you would expect from a game of this era. But this one, you know, there's there's really nothing that really uh, it's you know if you if you look at it, you're not gonna think, well, this this is there's lots of games like this. What's special about this one? And that's a fair question. Um, like I, I've mentioned a few things that I, I like about it, but you know, maybe. Those aren't going to knock everybody's socks off. But, you know, some games just have that uh, that that's special sauce. Like, there's just something about them that maybe you can't put into words or you can't... Uh, it's hard to convey verbally exactly what it is about the specific game that, that, that you connect with. But um, definitely do uh, with Mega Mania. Um, and I know you could say, well... You're just speaking from the heart. This is a nostalgia thing for you, obviously. And that, that would be a fair assumption to make, but the, here's the thing. I, I didn't... I had Mega Mania um, as, as a kid in, in the uh, mid-late 80s, but I, I didn't really play it. I mean, I played it enough to know what it was all about, but I, I, it's just not a game that I really spent much time with. But I've developed an appreciation for it as a retro gamer, if that makes any sense. That's weird. Um, I mean, there's lots of games that I discover as an adult that I never played as a kid and that I end up liking a lot. But in this case, it's a game that I had in my collection. And I was very familiar with it. I knew exactly how it worked and how to play it. and But I just... Didn't play it. Didn't care much for it. And now, 
whenever I play Atari 2600, it's one of the, you know, it's one of my go-to games. Interesting. So, Mega Mania. On the very small chance you haven't played it, check it out. Next up, we got Galaxian by Namco 1979. Uh, another spoiler alert, Galaga is not on this list. I know there are a lot of people out there who are probably pretty baffled how I could possibly have Galaxian on this list, but no Galaga. I can't explain it myself. I think I've already talked about this before. I objectively can look at these two games, Galaxian and Galaga, side by side and say that Galaga on paper should be a better game. <laughs> like, it's very similar yet enhanced in almost every way. You know, the, the enemies are more interesting. They fly in more complex patterns. The graphics are maybe a, a cut above. Um, you have the ability to do the, 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 you know, pair up your ships and do the double, double shot thing. You have the challenging stages, all these little elements that by all rights should be considered enhancements and therefore make the game better. But for some reason, I prefer Galaxian. I, um, I, I did play Galaxian growing up, um, but only on the Atari 2600, which I played that semi-recently, that version, and it's um, it's okay. I mean, I I think it's uh, certainly, I you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again. When it comes to judging ports of arcade games on classic consoles, I'm a very harsh critic, because I... You haven't noticed my favorite kind of platform, quote unquote, video games is arcade. <laughs> so, uh, so when if there's a certain classic IP, then chance chance it's like ninety nine point nine nine percent certain that my favorite version of that game is going to be the arcade original and not some console port. And everything that the console port does differently or changes or fails to incorporate, then I'm, you know, I'm really unforgiving, that type of thing. But anyway, um, Galaxian on the 2600, it's quite different from the arcade uh, in feel. But it's, you know, it's a, it's a fun game in its own right. But that having played that as a kid doesn't really... I don't feel that really colors my impressions for the, you know the purposes of this discussion. I think Arcade Galaxian is just uh, I think it's an interesting maybe what I like about it is that it's kind of you know it's actually still in the 70s and it's it's very it's very primitive. I talked on the um I think it was on the last list episode about Space Invaders, about how I, I acknowledge that game is very important and very, you know, groundbreaking and everything, but it's a game that I just don't really enjoy. I find it, it's just, 
It's just on that side of being a little bit too basic, too simplistic, too basic. I'm not saying the game is easy, but the, the, the concept of it and the mechanics of it and the look and feel of it and everything, everything about it is just, just a few ticks too basic. And I think Galaxian takes that same formula and, and turns up the dial on the, you know, um, on some of the, uh, some of the, the gameplay factors and just makes it a little more interesting and adds color, which is one of the first, um, color arcade games. Um, it's, uh, you know, your enemies don't just go back and forth above you. They, they fly down at you in formations and, uh, uh, it's got, um, some maybe arguably nicer sound effects. Um, and it's, I just, it, again, it's another one of those games where I just struggle to really put into words why I like it, uh, as much as I do. But, um, it's certainly, if I'm going to go down in the basement and I want to play some fixed screen shooters, um, Galaxian is going to be one of the first games that I, that I think of, uh, to go to. Up next... We've got, well, I might as well stay um, stay in the Namco uh, realm here, and I'm going to go with Galaga 88. Now, I, I said, spoiler alert, Galaga is not on this list, and that's true. But we've got Galaga 88. I, I just think this game is, um, I hadn't, well, first of all, I hadn't, Ever played it until the era of MAME, uh, probably you know, maybe 2014 or so. That's when I uh, first uh, gave it a try. Um, I've played it at a few retro arcades on the original hardware. And uh, I just really, really like this game. I really like the port of it on the um, Turbo Graphics. They, uh, I think they call it Galaga 90 on there, but it's the same game. And um, this one is, uh, they, they call it Galaga 88, but it actually uh, was came out in uh, 1987 by Namco. And um, it's, uh, I, I always think of this game when the subject of kind of uh, reboots or reimaginings of of classic games comes up um i i think you know there's a lot of examples of 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 games where companies will try to re-release a game well not re-release but um re you know um reboot or you know uh, take a, a classic franchise and then do a, a new interpretation of it and um it ends up just kind of ringing hollow and you, and you think well why is this necessary i i just yeah it's yeah, maybe graphics are better but i just think the uh the original game has everything i need and i'd just rather play that i mean there are lots of games uh and ips that kind of fall into that category or sometimes they don't um maybe they don't take the name of the original IP, but they create a game that is obviously inspired by a certain class of game and just maybe tweak it a little bit and call it something else. 
But the same deal. I mean, the same thing applies. Um, but I think Galaga 88 is a worthy a reimagining of Galaga. Now, maybe I'm not in a position to be saying that since I'm not a Galaga fan, as I already told you. But, I mean, take it for what it's worth. That's one man's opinion. Uh, I, but I think this game, it hits all the right beats for, um, you know, the, the it has the, some of the uh, the music, like the, the Galaga theme the, that you everyone would recognize from when you, the game starts. They do a newer version of that. It sounds really nice. I like that. The uh, the graphics are considerably more colorful, maybe a little more cartoony. But you got different kinds of weapons. Um, you can still do the uh, the same trick with you know merging two ships together, but you can also do three ships, and uh, which gets it even more. You know, even makes your uh, firepower even even stronger. Now they still have the challenging stages. Um, that, that's all intact, but the there's a little bit more variation in this game. Like you'll have your standard rack of enemies that's very similar to Galaga, where they're flying down at you in, in uh, these nice swirling formations. But then there's sections in the game where you you're actually scrolling. So um, I guess. Maybe that should have disqualified this game from this list, but I figure at its heart, it's really... This is all just for fun anyway, right? <laughs> so I, I think I should... I, I thought I should just include it, because I do like it... Because for me, in, in the games that I enjoy of this style, this one's right near the top of the list, so I just... I wouldn't feel right not mentioning it. So definitely give Galaga 88 a try if you're not familiar with it. Um, it's... 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 Got everything the original Galga has and more. I, I like it a lot more than the original Galga myself. I'm sure a lot of people disagree, but uh, that's what I think. Next up, we've got Astro Blast on the Atari 2600 by M Network, 1982. Now, M Network is actually um, the the branch of Mattel that was publishing games for the Atari 2600 kind of at the same time as the Mattel and television was competing with the Atari 2600 in the early 80s. I personally think back on the M Network games and I think they're overall really strong. I uh I like a lot of their games. I think they're uh when we you know you talk about what what companies uh on the Atari 2600 do you think had the strongest games? Well, a lot of people say the same things. They say Activision deservedly so. Say Magic. Another one that gets uh, mentioned a lot. Um but then, you know, after those two then it starts kind of spreading out, and you know everyone's got their favorites, but um, you know the field gets pretty pretty broad pretty quickly. And for me, I think M Network has a lot of quality stuff on on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which is interesting because um, you know they were 
that was a company that was had had, an, had a horse in the race in the the console, uh, you know, uh, the the original edition of the console wars, you know, in the early eighties. You know, the Intellivision trying to uh, compete with the twenty six hundred. But anyway, um, they had a game on the Intellivision called Astro Smash, and it was. Uh, kind of a hybrid of like asteroids and space invaders where you've got a ship moving back and forth or a base or whatever you want to call it moving back and forth on the on the bottom of the screen at last space invaders and you're shooting up at rocks that are falling down on you and um also other kind of uh different types of uh uh enemies uh, other than rocks like ships i don't know what they're supposed to be they're very primitive <laughs> um pulsars i think they call them and, and spinners or what do they call those things that they spiral around i can't remember the the name for them but um they're different enemy types that are that are falling down on you and um so i think that was a pretty popular game on the intellivision so they decided to port it over to the atari 2600 and for some reason they didn't want to call it astro smash on the atari 2600 so they called it astro blast I'm assuming that was Mattel's marketing department that was uh, doing some jiggery-pokery there. I don't really see the harm in calling the game by the same name, but whatever. I um, I think Astro Blast on the Atari 2600 is a very solid game. Again, it's one of the games that uh, definitely is on my go-to list of games that I play when I play the 2600. And I um, I never played the, the uh, Intellivision version. Um, until, you know, adult, uh, you know, to adulthood, <laughs> I never played it, uh, on the, and, I've, and even there, I've only ever played it on, um, emulation. Actually, no, that's not true. I played it. Um, I did play it on the original hardware probably six, seven years ago, very briefly, but I did play it. Um, and I'm probably biased a bit by nostalgia, but uh, I really... I think the games they look very similar to one another, but I um I think gameplay wise and the experience of playing it, the uh the original Intellivision game just does not compare to the, the twenty six hundred Astro Blast. And a big part of the reason for that is the controls. Um the uh the wonderful thing about the Atari twenty six hundred version that I'm so glad they thought of when they were developing this game or porting it over was they give you the option you can play. And then this is, I can't think of any other game on the Atari 2600 that lets you do this, but they give you the option of playing either with a joystick or with the paddle controllers. You can use either. Now, if you use a joystick, then of course the gameplay is going to be more similar to the Intellivision version, which uh, the Intellivision didn't have paddles, so you you only had the um, the controller um, with that uh, weird disc thing that you know you move side to side, which effectively is a joystick, right? In in, in that application, it's you know side to side movement with uh, you know it's not analog; it's either you know in either direction, it's it's either on or off, right? Whereas uh, you know, if you, you know, if you play the 2600 version with a joystick, it, it's, it's the same as that. But 
when you use the paddle controller, then you have all the you have all the benefits that that brings. Like you can you have that precision of movement. Like you can dial in your the exact position and that you want to be in. And if there's something on the side of the screen, uh, you know, uh, far away where you want to get there really quickly, then you can really twist the paddle quickly and, and zip over there. Or if you want to move slowly and precisely, you can do that too. Just that precision of control that's afforded by analog by uh, analog style controllers. Uh, it's just, I think it just really takes the whole concept of Astro Smash and it just kicks it up several notches and it just makes it more frantic, more, um, you know, you get in the zone in this game and this stuff's just raining down on you and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, I don't hear the game get talked about very often, but it's uh, a really, really fun arcade style it's a it's a basic game. Like the gameplay is very basic, as a lot of those games were, but it's very very fast paced and fun. I enjoy it a lot, and it's got an interesting scoring system where you'll notice if you watch your score that you know, of course, every time you you shoot a rock or an enemy, you get points as usual. But you've also noticed that when you miss and uh, you know stuff hits the ground, then your score goes down. You get docked points for letting stuff get past you um so you're constantly trying to that that uh encourages you to keep trying to you know put yourself in harm's way to keep that score going up and up and up so that's a uh, kind of interesting but um yeah very below the radar title on the 2600 uh, astro blast uh i i had it as a kid i didn't play it very often then i mean i i thought i guess i thought it was okay back then i remember my brother liked it a lot but um i i I rediscovered it, um, you know, back in, you know, 2010 or so. And um, I just really dig it. I think it's really cool. So check it out. I'm sorry, uh, uh, any Intellivision fans that I am. Um, I'm claiming the 2600 version of uh, your game is better uh, on uh, 2600. But uh, I really, I really think there's an argument there to be made for that. Uh, nostalgia notwithstanding. Well, I guess this is the last one on the list. And uh, I, there were a few games that I, I thought of for rounding out this list. But um, what I came up with was uh, a game called Astro Invader. This uh, was developed by Konami and published by Stern for the, in their arcades in 1979. I uh, This one is, of all the games listed, uh, This this is definitely the one that I have the least experience with it's the one i've discovered most recently obviously i never played this in in uh in the arcades when it was around i was too young and uh i don't think this was a very my understanding i don't think this was a very popular game so it probably wasn't very common anyway but uh i i've i gave it a try a couple of years ago and um I just think it's got some interesting mechanics to how it works. So you've got the same, you know, the basic stuff. You've got a ship at the bottom of the screen. You move left and right and you fire. But rather than having the usual uh, racks of enemies above you that are kind of dancing around or coming down in formations, um, you've got this kind of UFO at the very top of the screen them dropping these little uh, spaceships or aliens or uh, I don't know what they're supposed to be probably aliens 
into uh, and and then in between you and that that ship at the top of the screen, there's these you know vertical strips um, you know divided up uh, through which these uh, aliens that are are dropped from the top are approaching you. But when they fall into a chute, they they stop, and um, uh, then the if the ship drops another one on top, then it just stacks on top uh, of the previous one, and so. You've got this this thing at the top of the screen dropping these things into these different buckets, basically. And then as soon as any given bucket has is filled up with four aliens, then the next one that gets dropped in that bucket just falls right through and uh, starts descending towards you. Um, and so it's basically like overflows and starts falling down on you. And then there's different uh, regions uh, in the you know in there where the the aliens can fall directly right through without. And getting stuck in one of these buckets, um, so uh, that that kind of spices it up a little bit. But you've got these. Um, so what you're trying to do is you you keep these buckets as empty as possible. Try to keep them under four so that uh, they're they're piling up at the top of the screen and not falling on you, um, which obviously uh, gets very difficult very quickly because of the speed and everything. And um, but once the once the Aliens start falling towards you, then obviously you uh, you want to shoot them, um, but you got to be careful because if you miss and they they crash to the ground next to you, then they they have a little bit explosion when they hit the ground, and if you get touched by that explosion, then you die. And um, so it's it, I just like the game because you know it's very definitely very primitive in terms of its its graphics and everything uh, and sounds. That's fine, I, um, but I just like that it has, you know, it's an example of a game where, of that era, where the developers, like, they're, you know, they're really trying to come up with a game idea, and they know they have these very rigid constraints in terms of the hardware platform that they're using and what's possible, so they can't just do anything. They've got to simultaneously manage, okay, I've got to make it interesting and fun, but it's got to be something that is doable in a reasonable amount of time at reasonable cost on this limited hardware. So, you know, you, you can just, uh, you know, compare that to nowadays and it's just like the sky's the limit. You, you come up with an idea and you can implement it basically. I mean, for all intents and purposes, you're not constrained by the technology. So, you know, you you put, try to put yourself, or I try to put myself in that mindset of a, a you know a game programmer back in the late seventies. Uh, you know, you, you've seen Space Invaders take off; it's this great commercial smash hit. I'd like to do something kind of similar to that, but I don't want to do Space Invaders. I want to do my own game, and I want to make it. I want to have some have it have some features that are different, you know, gameplay mechanics that are maybe a little that'll distinguish it or separate it from from Space Invaders and, and Galaxian and, and things like that. Um, so how, what, you know, what little nuances and different things can we put in here? How about we make the enemies stack up in these buckets and then overflow? You know, it's just, you know, coming up with these neat little ideas um, and it makes for a nice little twist on the gameplay and, and I just thought it, it was really fun. I'm, uh, I'm terrible at it. It's, it gets difficult really quickly, but... Uh, it's definitely a game that I, I've added to my favorites list and I'm going to uh, continue to play.
so that's going to wrap up my discussion of fixed screen shooters. Let's recap. We've got Mega Mania on the Atari 2600. We've got Galaxian by Namco, the arcade game. Then we've got Galaga 88, also by Namco. And then we've got Astro Blast on the Atari 2600 by M Network. Then we have, lastly, Astro Invader, developed by Konami, published by Stern in the arcade. So that's uh, going to wrap up Volume 2 of the Pixel Advocate lists. I've got several more of these planned. Um, and some of the... Uh, I'm continually trying to think of new lists to... Uh, talk about if you have any comments or criticisms or death threats you would like to send or if you have an idea for a list feel free to hit me up pixeladvocate at outlook.com also on twitter at pixeladvocate do not forget may we all appreciate what we have today and in our fleeting spare moments may we finally reflect upon our pixel perfect past bye for now mm-hmm.